The knight's brain was killed. There had been rain. It had come without warning, in the way that sends people diving under the trees, packing up their deck chairs, dodging into the shop doorways down Oxford Street, and into the shelters round the park, the old-fashioned kind that are nothing to do with bombs. Quick, warm rain that fell softly, slaking the long, parched summer day before dark came and it slept. By midnight the sky was clear again from the Dogger Bank to the Silly Isles, and half the moon was up there, queening it. By three in the morning the gleam had gone from roofs and pavements where there was lamplight, and dust was back in town, but in the country places the leaves were still greener for the rain, and where roads ran beneath trees there was still a puddle or two reflecting the moon. A grey car moved, ghost-quiet, through these early hours, and crossed the border into Surrey, heading for London. The clock on the dashboard said five past three. The speedometer turned up another naught as a signpost said South Knoll. Bishop was cramped. He had driven through most of the day and all of the night. Now it was morning, and his eyes took longer to blink as the lamp beams ahead of him raked the road, fading out a few hundred yards distant along a straight stretch, brightening swiftly against a curve, sometimes picking up the glint of eyes, the flit of wings. Soon after South Knoll, the road went dark. It had rained more here than in other places. The headlamp beams took on a yellow tinge. The hedges were greener. The tires hissed over the wet. There were three gallons left on the gauge, and he began wondering if he could make London, or whether he should take the Dorking Road, losing a few miles but filling the tank at the all-night garage there. In a little while he got bored with working out distance and miles per gallon and decided to risk it. The vintage Rolls-Royce fled softly through the moonlight. He felt it would take him far beyond London, even with an empty tank. After three hundred miles, this classic machine, sired by fabulous minds from English steel, had a mood of its own in the light of the moon, and petrol was a daytime thing to be ignored. Going up the curve of Knoll Hill, the car neared another. Lights were flushing down through the trees, brightening fast. Bishop pressed the dip switch, but the other man did not. His lights were blinding, flooding the grey limousine and filling it with a clear white glow that blazed from all directions, striking even the mirror, bouncing there from the rear window. Bishop sat trapped in the dazzle, jabbing the dip-switch twice, asking for manners. The other car just came on. When Bishop realised that something odd seemed to be cropping up, he tucked in to his near side, using the last spare yard between his front fender and the chalk slope edging the road. This kept him out of actual trouble, but the other man was going into a fast slide now, and he clipped paint off the rear fender of the limousine as he went past. Bishop pulled up, right against the chalk slope. On the other side of the road there was a board fence, painted black and white to show up clearly. The cream-coloured Ventura was going through that, breaking it up with a lot of noise. Beyond the fence was a steep downslope with trees, Bishop was getting out of his car as the Ventura dived into them, and as he began running across the road, there was an impact that could only be final. Afterwards there was just silence, except for Bishop's feet. He ran over the wet leaves and the white line and the smears made by the Ventura's tires. Glass lay like frost on the roadway near the broken fence. As he dived through the gap, he wondered if he could get down there before anything caught fire, and at the same time wondered if it would matter. Nothing of the Ventura's weight could go through a fence this tough, below seventy. A human, sitting in the middle of all that metal and timber, wouldn't have a chance. 
He grazed his shin on a sawn-off tree trunk as he ran down the slope of earth. It was dark and fibrous and laced with bramble. A tin can clanked as his foot caught it, and he flung out a hand to stop stunning himself against a low bow. Farther down and to the left was the dark shape of the car. It was wedged like a dead elephant between two trees in the faint cold light of the moon. Even in the grunt of his own breath and the sliding thud of his feet, Bishop knew how silent it would be down here among the trees if it weren't for the sounds he made.